Hi, I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be overcoming a broken home and manipulative mother, but succeeding anyway. Well, today is Friday. I've got a good success story I wanted to share with you. And this particular guy had, you know, it was interesting. It was about two weeks ago, I was reading an article. And in it, um, the the author was talking about a friend of his that was like a lifetime attorney general. And all he did was prosecute criminals and put them in jail. And they were sitting down having lunch or dinner or whatever and catching up. And he was like, well, what, what is the common thread in why... So many men or these men, what, what is the difference that caused these guys to end up in jail versus your everyday citizen? And without hesitation, he said it was guys that came from a broken home. In other words, shitty parenting. And most often it was men that were raised in households where there was just a single mom and no father figure around at all. And that was a common thread in all of them because all kids boys and girls need masculine men and feminine women to teach them the balance and make them into well-rounded humans and statistically in the way the numbers line up when you got a single parent household and especially when you look at who's incarcerated in prisons it's overwhelming majority of them are men that grew up in single parent households almost always exclusively raised by a single mom without any kind of stepdad or parent there. There was just never a stable masculine influence in the home to teach the kids how to act, to instill a sense of discipline in them, to keep them calm. I mean, you see this in like the gang violence in Chicago. It's like these kids are in essence being raised by the streets because the parents are working two, three jobs trying to make ends meet. And the kids are sitting home after school with nothing to do. And the gang members are the ones that are basically raising them. And it's like, so, I don't know if you've ever, you, on Twitter, these videos are constantly posted of these running gun battles that go on between the different gang groups. You have like five or six of them show up and they all got pistols and they're just shooting all, all kinds of rounds at each other. And one group that gets ambushed one week and the next week they're the ones doing the ambushing and it happens at parties it happens at funerals it's just constant and it's a very simple problem to solve because a lot of these it's a small group of of people that are committing most of the crimes but yet they're not getting locked up and then since they don't get locked up all the gun violence stats which when you look at the stats of like what makes up gun violence or people that get injured or killed by guns, it's the number one. You know, like when you look at all the deaths annual in the United States from guns, the number one is suicides. And the second one is gang violence. And then when you take those two out of it, it's just a small number of people that when you consider it's 300 something, 330 million, whatever it is, 340 million people in the United States at this point. And what's interesting is they talk about the AR-15 a lot, especially Joe Biden. He's got a hard-on for that wants to ban them all. But when you look at the stats from rifles of all kinds, including the AR-15, it's rifles of all types and the amount of deaths every year. There's, it only averages out to about 300 people a year are killed from rifles of all types. And the 40, 45,000, whatever it is that, that 
that die are mostly dying from handguns. And yet they're making a, a big issue about the scary AR-15, the rifle, because the reality is the politicians don't like it because it puts the citizen on parity with the police and the army and the military and the people in government. It's the real reason why they want to ban it. It's not, it's like some epidemic, but when you allow gang violence to continue and every weekend you get 20, 30, 40 people shot and killed in Chicago and they don't do anything about it, it's obvious that the politicians running those cities, it's usually blue cities, they don't lock the criminals up, the gang violence continues and they keep padding the stats with making the numbers look inflated and worse than they are when it's a, really a, a simple problem. And so <clears throat> taking a step back of that, you look at this particular guy that he came from a single parent household. He was raised by his mom and his two sisters. And he said that his mother was very manipulative and his father like cheated on his mother multiple times. And they got divorced when he was five and then he wasn't there. So with this guy starting out, Statistically, the odds were not in his favor that he's going to turn out to be a model citizen or a good dude. But he he had a lot of difficulty, a lot of bad choices. He got into a marriage. He was you know very overweight. And a few years ago, he came across my work and completely changed and transformed his life. And so you look at this guy and you say, well, statistically, everything is slanted against him in other words it's like he's grown you know compared to somebody like myself that grew up even though my parents marriage was very dysfunctional i had a two-parent household and i went to my parents struggled and spent the extra money to send my brother and i to a catholic high school and we got to go to school in essence with a bunch of rich kids that came from the most successful families in Fort Lauderdale. And if I told you some of the, the last names and their families and what they did, you would all know their businesses. You'd all know their organizations. You would know their sports teams that they own. And um, so that changed my life, being able to go to school, because you are who you associate with. And we get to go to school as just an average middle-class dude with some of the wealthiest families in the country. And you get to know their kids that were all our age. And you realize, like, this dude ain't any smarter than me. I don't feel like his parents were, their parents were any smarter than me. And just getting to spend time with them helped me believe in myself and move in the right direction to ultimately end up where I am. And so you see a guy like, like this who's like got every, and then on the flip side, there were guys I went to high school with that came from very wealthy, successful families. They had every advantage giving them silver spoon in their mouth, driving a brand new car, when they turn 16, BMWs, things like that. They're getting brand new cars and and they got every advantage. And yet they just become average, mediocre people that never really even came close to achieving the things that their parents achieved. So there's always like, what's the difference that makes a difference in that? And so like I said, this guy here has got a great success story and I'm really glad he's sent it in because there's going to be people that are watching this that are going to get inspired and are like, damn, that dude can pull this off. It's like, I got to be able to pull this off. So let's go through his email. Because again, it's Friday. We got the whole weekend. Be nice to leave, leave on a positive note because we had some pretty crazy stories in the last week or so from guys that have written in. So he says, hey, coach, to get right to the point and keep it as short as possible, here are the cliff notes. 
as long as you can make the point of the email edit as you see fit. I grew up in a broken family with a very manipulative mother. My parents got divorced when I was five, so I have no recollection of a two-parent home. So you imagine this kid was in kindergarten when his dad dipped out. He says, my dad cheated on my mother multiple times. My mom forever held resentment for this. And so typically what's going to happen is that her attitude as a mother, which understandably, if you're in her position, you'd be like, I don't want my son to turn out like my jackass ex-husband. I'm going to make him super nice, a super nice boy that everybody will love and he'll never hurt anybody. And so what happens is she ends up raising a son that's really soft, doesn't stand up for himself, probably a pleaser, lets people walk all over him, push him around, that kind of thing. And when you act that way with women, it completely turns them off and you get stuck in friend zone. You're a really nice guy. I, you're so great, but I just think of you as a friend. And those are the kind of things that you hear over and over. Because my mother was very domineering and she did most of the parenting. My dad was working all the time. And even when he wasn't home, he was just sitting in front of the TV, drinking beer and spacing out and trying to tune every everyone and everything out around him. Other than when it was time to be the disciplinarian and then kick the shit out of us, usually me, because my brother would be starting shit and instigating things, to try to get attention from them, he would cause a problem between he and I and then go run into them so they would pay attention to him. It was a very dysfunctional way to fulfill a need for love and connection. And plus my dad, his older brother, they fought a lot and he always felt like his older brother um, bullied him. And so automatically my dad assumed because of his environment, he wasn't reacting to me because of my behavior. He was reacting to what happened in his childhood. So he automatically assumed I was bullying my three years younger little brother. My brother knew that and he took advantage of that because he, that was the way he, he learned he could get attention from my parents. It's cause a problem. Oh, Corey, Corey hit me. Corey did this. He stole my toy or he said a mean thing or whatever it happens to be. So he says, needless to say, I grew up without any male influences in a three-woman household, two sisters and a mother. I had zero confidence, I was really overweight, and I ate my feelings. Yeah, people that eat like that, it's like eating changes your state. It's like they're trying to fill themselves up emotionally for whatever they feel they lack. And so you can understand a guy has no confidence. It's like food is soothing. Not healthy, but it's soothing. I mean, who doesn't love to eat good things? But too much of anything is not good. Too much chocolate cake gets disgusting after a while. He says, the only thing I had going for me was that I was a great baseball player. Everything I learned about women came from women. If someone watching this doesn't know why that was bad, here's your, come on, man. So he says, fast forward, I married the girl that was my first serious relationship. I was 23 and she was 29. Kind of a big age difference. She was divorced with a six-year-old at the time. She was a basket case, but I was weak and thought she was the one. You just see just the needy, nice guy, got an older, more mature woman dating a guy that, quite frankly, she knows how to manipulate. And why wouldn't he resonate with that? His mother was very manipulative. So on an emotional level, being in a relationship with her felt just like the type of relationship he had with his mother. 
He says, as a true Southerner, you are taught that if you have nothing nice to say to someone, then do not say anything at all. So I will keep that between her and I, LOL. It's quite a story. We did have an awesome son together. We, we got a divorce for various reasons, and I have split custody with her, and we have a great co-parenting relationship that took years to obtain, mainly from your work. Well, that's where humor comes in. If you can make her laugh even when she's pissed off at you, it makes it really easy to solve things. It's super important, especially you guys that are having trouble with the women in your life. You've got to be able to laugh together. or It's going to be really hard to resolve anything. He says, here where this bald-headed fucker comes in. Obviously, that would be George Truly. He says, I was not seeking to get back with my ex. I was seeking how to be a better man. In truth, be a better father than I had. I soaked up everything I could on YouTube, and I did the smart thing and bought your book. I read that bitch repeatedly. I hit the gym. I started to run marathons, doing Spartan races, and I got in very great shape. I quit my corporate job and followed a passion I had always had, craft beer. I started a business, and right as it starts taking off, here comes 2020. Yes, with all the lockdown shenanigans. Yeah, March of 2020 was, man, what I, things that changed in my business and I didn't really understand at the time. I think I've mentioned this a few times over the last year or so because it really wasn't until last year, year and a half that I figured out what the hell had happened. But I remember March in 2020, I saw one third, I was getting about 3 million monthly video views and that dropped down to about 1.7, 1.8 million. And I thought, well, everybody's locked down. People aren't going out. You couldn't even go out and date, especially in a lot of places in Europe. You're literally imprisoned in your own home. So it would make sense that I should see a drop off just because that's not what's on people's radar for the most part, especially if they're locked up at home. And the other interesting thing was I saw a 30% drop in my monthly video views on YouTube. And then I saw an 80% drop and the amount of new subscribers that I was getting every month. I was getting like eight, ten thousand 10,000 new subscribers every single month. And March of 2020, that plummeted down to about 17, 1,800 new subscribers a month. And I just thought it was the lockdowns. But what I later realized is that site-wide, the algorithm had been changed to take views of, of self-reliant type people like myself and de-boost them. And then artificially boost up people that are more leftist leaning, that are more bigger government. Government should be the mommy for everybody and take care of us all. And, you know, I was just expecting it. You know, what I noticed was that once the lockdowns started getting lifted, my stats stayed exactly the same. Even now to this day, it's exactly the same and hasn't gone anywhere. Like on uh, my Instagram it had been shrinking for the last you know, year and a half, two years because I got shadow banned there too. But once they did the little blue check thing and uh, I was able to get verified on there and then I contacted the because they added a customer service thing, which those guys are mostly useless, but they were, they were able to – whatever happened in my email exchanges because they were very obtuse. Oh, there's nothing wrong with your profile, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is my new videos and stuff started actually getting reached to new people. But even, you know, two days ago on the 5th, July 5th, I had a a video that just started really taking off. 
And it was like amazing. It's just like, and I've seen this happen on Facebook. It's like it really starts to take off, and it's like it just hits a ceiling and then flatlines. And so my videos will get seen by people that follow me, but new people is like, it was amazing. There was, like I said, the one on the fifth, I was looking at the stats and like, yeah, I was watching it yesterday. It was about, you know, a 1, thousand, fifteen hundred people an hour. Brand new people had never seen my work and weren't following me were seeing the video. And then it got up to um, almost like 30,000 views, I think it was. And then it just stopped. I mean, it, it, it literally stopped at like, was it 13,256? I think that was the amount of people that were seeing the video that weren't already following me. And it stopped and it's stuck there. And it's been stuck there since yesterday. And so you look at that and you're like, that's not natural. That should not be happening that way. It tells me maybe there was a human intervention or some algorithm to just, and I've seen that with a bunch of my videos, like the one I did with Kwong um, uh, a couple of years ago on uh, psychological warfare, because he used to do that for the US Air Force. He was taught psychological warfare. They studied Hugo Chavez, the leftists, the communists, Mao, uh, Stalin, all the, even the Nazis. They studied all the propaganda techniques because that was what he had to learn. And he said when the lockdown started, that's when he started seeing all this stuff. It was like, this was stuff I was taught in the military. It's being used in the public consciousness. And I think it was in 2012, Barack Obama signed a law that made it okay for the intelligence agencies to basically use propaganda on the American people. And so when you look at like the Trust and Safety Council of all the social media companies, it's like every single one of them has people that are from the intelligence agencies that are sitting on them. And that's not good. And so you're, you're getting viewpoint discrimination that's happening everywhere. But what can you do about it? It's like in the big scheme of things, if they change the algorithm site-wide, platform-wide, it's like, what are you going to do about it? You can bitch and you complain, but it's nothing you can do. And so that's... I mean, I totally can relate. And so that had a severe impact financially on my business over the last three or four years. But, hey, that's life. Competition comes along. War comes along. I mean, like one of my web developers we were, was really helping us out a lot. It was Ukrainian. And after the war started, he was getting really bad, spotty Internet service. He's like, I just I can't even get on the Internet. He's like, I'd love to help you guys. And then we haven't talked to him since. I assume he probably got you know, drafted in the military and God knows what, what happened to him. He was a really nice guy, but it's like shit like that's going to happen. You know, that that's life. You know, it says Sly Stallone said, I was talking about this, I think yesterday or day before video and at the Rocky video that he movie that he did, I think it was 2002, 2004, something like that. He said, it's like, you know, it's not about how hard can you can get hit It's how hard can you get hit and yet keep moving forward and not giving up and that's that's life man it's i i grew up and i saw people that had every advantage grow up and just become average mediocre people and i saw other people that came from nothing and achieved spectacular results so it's really in the mindset and you know what i've been teaching all these years especially i go into and mastering yourself it's the science of high achievement or the fundamentals of the science of high achievement and if you know these things if you know these principles it's like when life serves you shit like this when it's unfair when you unfairly get shadow banned on the platforms and it 
dramatically affects your business or you're like, you know, several years ago, Audible changed their royalty makeup, which literally cut my royalties for my audiobooks in half. So, yeah, and that was a significant amount of revenue that came into my business. And you go from like one month to the next and they just, they, they literally cut your, your income in half. It's like, that's not fair, but they got a monopoly. What are you going to do? If you want to be, if you want your audiobook and iTunes everywhere else, you're going to have to use Audible. And it's a total monopoly, and it's not fair. What are you going to do about it? Like one person? Most of the government is captured because it's, you, know, you look at people that work in the Justice Department stuff. and Just a simple example, Andy McCabe, who was deputy director of the FBI. His wife was running for U.S. Senate. And Hillary Clinton's PAC, political, one of her political action committees, gave her a very sizable donation to help her get elected. She ended up losing the election, but because she did a solid for Andy McCabe's wife, he's deputy director. Guess what? He was also running Hillary's email campaign investigation. Of course, they didn't find anything. It was like, because they're all part of the same club. It was like, why would he do anything negative for her because he's expecting to, to stop working for government at some point get a book deal he's on cnn now and it's like it's like our government is full of, of people like that and it's that's the world we live in and you got to find a way to negotiate these rough waters as best that you can and just got to keep moving forward find a way around it other platforms pop up spotify is doing really well for me these days and you can pretty much save most of what you want in there. Um, YouTube used to be like that. Twitter, when Elon Musk took over, it's, I, my Twitter started growing for the first time like six, seven years. It's it's now stuck. It doesn't go anywhere again. So I'm back to the shadow ban world. But, hey, Instagram just introduced threads the other day. And so we'll po start posting some threads and stuff for my quotes books that I've been posting everywhere else and see how that does. But it's like the only thing that that's constant in life is going to be change it never stays the same life is changed but growth is optional so so back to our email he says i was a small brewery and we had brewery tours and i was not looking for anyone during this time i was having lots and i mean lots of fun a gentleman will never kiss and tell but you can put two and two together in walks my now girlfriend she was on the beer tour I immediately notice her. She lives in Washington State. I live in Tennessee. I had all the confidence in the world when I approached her. We start a long-distance relationship over two years. She's very attractive, seven years older than me. I guess he likes those older ladies. Has a high-level government job, makes six figures a year, and she leaves everything behind in Washington and moves next door to me in Tennessee. She got a position here, so the universe was on our side. And we now live together and recently purchased a house in Florida. To end it, reading your book more times than I can count, applying it, I now have a great future with a feminine woman who even now makes more money than me, but she supports my passion and is my biggest cheerleader, as it should be. I'm in the process of opening another brewery at this point, and all this from being a great student and listening to the old bald-headed fucker. Thank you, Coach, for everything. Well, dude, congratulations on all your success and proving the doubters and the haters wrong and being able to overcome your background and reach your full potential in spite of your background, in spite of the fact that you had a lot of disadvantages, but 
just because you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth, I saw that firsthand, you know, when I went to high school at Cardinal Gibbons High School, which is a great place to go to school. And if you live in South Florida and can send your kids there, it's like you, you got to think of college as really it's a great for networking. It's great for meeting people. And, you know, obviously, if you're going to go to college, you got to make sure that you're picking a degree that's going to get you a good job and make it easy, especially if you're going to get student loans. But you don't want to, there's so many people getting these bullshit degrees and they get out and they're 200 grand in debt and they can barely make $30,000, $35,000 a year. And that's wrong. But I mean, that stuff happens all the time. But if you, like for me, I majored in, in construction management, which is part of the College of Engineering and Design. And that was, I met so many people in school there that those connections I made in school made it very easy to have my pick of jobs in the industry once I graduated. And so it, it can be, you got to think in terms of schools and social clubs and things of that nature that you make a lot of great relationships that can help you. Maybe you do business with those people. Like, a, you know, one of my good friends, one of the yacht clubs he belongs to, a big part of his business over the last 30 years he's been in real estate comes from just his friends he knows at the yacht club. And because it's people that join this particular yacht club are extremely wealthy, well, they're, they're buying big, expensive houses. And he does very well. He and his wife both do well in real estate because of that and because of the connection. So it can be really great. You are who you associate with. We typically, as the saying goes, become like the five people we spend most of our time with. So make sure you choose wisely. So if you got a question or a challenge and something you'd like to get my, my help with, go to understandingrelationships.com, click the products tab at the top of your screen, and book a coaching session with yours truly. Until next time, I will talk to you soon. <music>